0: Welcome to Trust Issues, a podcast by Kepler Trust Intelligence. Please be aware that there can be a time lag when we release podcasts, meaning time sensitive information may no longer be accurate at the time of publication. Also note that past performance is not a reliable indicator of future results. The value of investments can fall as well as rise, and you may get back less than you invested when you decide to sell your investments. It's strongly recommended that if you are a private investor, independent financial advice should be taken before making any investment or financial decision. Finally, Kepler Partners LLP has a relationship with the company covered in this podcast, which may impair its objectivity. We hope you enjoy the programme. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Trust Issues. Today I am joined by Richard Sennett who is the manager of the Schroder's Oriental Income Fund. So Richard thanks very much for joining us today. Uh, to get started could you talk a bit about what the Trust's objectives are, what sort of companies you invest in, um, just for someone who is not familiar with the with the, with the Trust?
1: Yeah certainly, thanks very much um, for having me. Um, so Give you a bit of a sort of background. The, the, the trust aims to provide a total return for investors um, primarily through um, investments in equities of companies that are either based in or derive a significant portion of revenues uh, from the Asia Pacific region and which offer attractive yields. So, um, if you look at it, the trust has an income focus, and its reference benchmark is the MSCI All Countries Pacific X Japan, which um, Includes most of the markets in the region outside of Japan and India, although the fund can invest outside of its benchmark countries. Um, From a market perspective, what this tends to mean is that the sort of biggest exposures in in the trust end up being Australia, Hong Kong, China, Korea, Taiwan, and and Singapore. Um, And when it comes to the sort of companies that we like to to invest in, these are very much driven by our, our, our bottom-up approach to um, to, to investing, and, and and that really comes from a sort of a philosophical philosophical standpoint of believing that the the Asian markets are inefficient, and and the best way to extract those inefficiencies is through a bottom-up fundamental approach. Um, so that um, I suppose what we don't do is is just screen the universe for the highest yielding names and and, and backfill the portfolio. Um, with those stocks, what what we're trying to do is to to look for companies which have have actually got upside to fair value, but have also got an income rationale for going into the portfolio. Um, And I think that by focusing on the better quality names, um, that is those which, in our view, have got things like better management, um, better corporate governance. Yeah, they've got appropriate balance sheets for the the businesses that they that they're they're involved with and and obviously have decent market positions um uh and sustainable business models so that we can hopefully um by applying our um process consistently over time um add value over over the
0: longer term okay well i think One of the things you hear about Asia, and and we actually saw this recently at the event we hosted because we had quite a few questions about it, there's a perception that it has an improving dividend culture, uh, which is obviously nice in theory. But can you talk about any changes, sort of more tangible changes that you've seen over the course of your career that you think would be beneficial for for income investors in the region?
1: Yeah, uh... I uh, yeah I've been looking at the Asian markets uh, for for a long time and, and I think there one thing which is quite an interesting sort of preconception certainly historically uh was that there there was a bit of a view that because you know Asia is a high growth region from an economic standpoint um one needs to focus exclusively on high growth stocks um and I think when you step back and look at where sort of returns have come from, you'll see that actually, well over half of the total return um, that has come from a from an Asian perspective has has come from that reinvestment of dividends. So I'd say that actually dividends have been uh, part of the culture for for actually quite some time within a within within an Asian context. Obviously, it does vary uh, from country to country. Um, his historically, uh, payout ratios have been higher in places like um, Australia um, and uh, tended to be lower in places like Korea. Um, but even in places as such as Korea, which have historically had lower payout ratios, we are starting to see, see companies starting to focus a bit more on, on shareholder returns and, and, and via that dividends. Uh, and so I certainly think there is more of a focus today um on on that side of things than there was perhaps twenty or thirty years
0: ago yeah, yeah definitely um I think another another concern if you if that's the right word to use that some investors have for when when they're investing for income is that there's a level of concentration risk um I think that's usually driven by some home bias if you're talking about people here in the u k just because if, I think if you look at MSCI UK index, it's like 10 companies paying more than 50% of the total dividends. It's, got, it's kind of a common thing you see. Uh, so that obviously limits your options to some extent as a manager um, and, and then creates some level of concentration risk. So is that, is that is there a similar dynamic that investors should be aware of in Asia or is it different? I think
1: it is a bit different, but there are things that I think, you know, one who's investing in income should be in Asia should be aware of, and so I'd say from that stock perspective, um, there isn't the same level of concentration in the sense that you know the equivalent number which you were citing is sort of ten companies that making up roughly half the dividends um, in the UK. If you did that sort of from an Asian perspective, it would be more like sort of 35 companies, something of that order, which um, for me a, as an active stock picker um, is is great because it does give me more choice and I'm not so dependent on just a handful of stocks from which to generate my, my income. Um, that said, um, it is fair to say that there are some areas of the market where it's going to be relatively difficult to get exposure to from a from an income perspective, and and when I'm thinking about that, the Chinese uh, internet names, for instance, um, that either don't pay a dividend or a very low one, and and so given the income focus of the portfolio, it's hard to get exposure to to those names as an example, and and what that does mean is that um, from a positioning perspective. Uh, it does mean that the, that the trust is likely to have um, less exposure to China than perhaps uh, you know the, what would be a, a benchmark level. Um, and I'd say just elsewhere, uh, you know, the, the other country where where I would say that you know in general the income yields are, are generally less would be um, India from a from a region perspective as well.
0: Okay. Well, I, uh, another thing that I think some income investors can be fearful is that i well, I should phrase it another way income investors in a in a trust specifically is that they may be worried that the manager um is sort of cr- i think you're kind of cramming in firms like you alluded to with one of your previous answers just because they pay a high dividend um which can obviously lead to all sorts of risks it's kind of like procrastinating bad sort of situation uh so do you i mean are you only investing in firms that pay a dividend or h- how do you structure things in the portfolio
1: yeah uh, no it's a good question and, and i think you know obviously the, the fund is income focused and, and to that extent any stock i put into the portfolio as an income rationale as to to why it, it goes in um but what that doesn't mean is that i just buy um the highest yielding stocks out there and uh, as I said you know one of the things I don't do is, is do that screen for high yielding stocks and backfill the portfolio. I'm trying to find companies that yeah I've got an income rationale but they've got upside potentially to, to from a capital perspective as well and what that does mean is that uh, you know some of the companies that I have in the portfolio will be slightly uh, lower yielding and in fact I can own a company or I will own a company that's perhaps doesn't yet pay a dividend, but I can see a, a very clear progression to that company um paying dividends um in, in in the future, and in a sort of forecastable future as well.
0: Okay. So there is definitely a okay. bit more variation from that perspective.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah of um so another another thing I think if you look on at the um you know, your latest fact sheet, which obviously I'd advise all listeners to have a look at if they are considering um, investing, is um, the largest weighting almost in sectoral terms is to, is to tech companies or IT companies. Um, I think over the past few years, definitely in the US, and I would probably say in China as well, we've tended to associate tech with this high growth and not paying dividends. Um, that might change a tiny bit in the past 12 months or so. Um, but is, is there is there a difference in Asia? I mean, is is that is it not the case that there's a kind of no dividend culture for tech firms
1: there? Yeah, no, I think it is slightly different from an, from an Asian perspective. Um, I mean, one thing I should say at the start, I sort of mentioned that sort of Chinese internet platform companies are not necessarily uh, companies where we're going to find be able to get much exposure. But one area we definitely can. Is is from the the um, IT names and and that tends to generally be um, more the sort of hardware type type companies and and from that perspective I think that, you know it's a very in, interesting area from an income perspective um, Taiwan for instance um, is one of the higher yielding markets in the region and um, and that's actually despite the fact that around roughly two thirds of, of the index is made up of tech names and i think you know in part that reflects a sort of a history of good corporate governance and a focus um on on shareholder returns from from companies in that market um uh, and and so from a, so, so from an income perspective there are quite a few opportunities and i would also say that actually what we to identified across asia is that you know there's a yeah you know, there are some very good quality um asian it names that that are world class and and they are trading at what I would uh, uh, call pretty attractive uh, valuations, certainly from a,
0: from a relative perspective. Um, okay, well, maybe we'll ask a bit about that later on. But for, for now, I mean, um, I think the, the fact that valuations are attractive maybe reflects the fact that we're in quite a tough economic period globally. Um more specifically, can you talk about how that has impacted earnings for the companies in in your portfolio, or maybe more broadly? Um, are there any things that you think investors should be concerned about here, given that that is ultimately uh, where where the income is is going to come from? Yeah.
1: No, you're you, you're you're right, very right to say that. Sort of, um, you know, we have seen um, revisions down to earnings. Um, uh, uh pretty well pretty broad based a- across the region over the last uh, year or so um i think that in part just reflects the fact that sort of um asia remains you know manufacturer to the rest of the world and so from that perspective the fact that we have got slowing demand for, for goods um does feed through to to earnings expectations um in many of the countries across Asia, uh, but uh, but I, I think it's been perhaps reflected more quickly in some of the more sort of global, um, globally cyclical areas. Uh, you know, and one of those actually is 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 our IT, um, and uh, and particularly in in countries like um, Korea and and Taiwan but what i would say is that in part you know the valuations have started to reflect that um so um you know uh, uh, as i was mentioning as mentioning before um on the flip side you know china opening up is obviously going to be helpful uh to the region from a growth pers- perspective but um the, tra- the trajectory of obviously global growth um is clearly an important driver of where potentially the earnings for that area is going to go. And obviously a prolonged period of weakness um, could see further revisions down to earnings. And, and in the medium term, as you, you, you allude to or said, one one would expect dividends uh, to follow earnings with a lag. All that said, um, looking at the, the region as a whole, payout ratios are relatively low uh, at around sort of 40% and and the net debt for the gear across the region is also um relatively low when you compare it to sort of other regions um uh, globally so so that that is a sort of if you like um it, 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 there there is scope in that sense for um for companies to um try and uh, defend the level of of, of dividends um uh, in part if if things Continue to, to slow. Um, I'd say one other thing that, if you're thinking about sort of dividends from a, a I suppose from a UK investor's perspective coming out of places that, uh, overseas, is obviously that you know the level of sterling will have an impact um, on, on the absolute level of the dividends that you receive. So a stronger sterling is a bit of a headwind, and a weaker one is a bit of a tailwind.
0: Yeah, I mean, and on that point, actually, I think another another thing we've seen over the past 12 to 18 months or so um as as the dollar strengthening a lot in the past that has tended to be uh something of a problem for emerging markets just because you either have debt in dollar terms um or if you're a company you you have local currency revenues but then need to buy everything on the international market in dollars um is that is that still as a, a problem i mean for for the companies you're investing in or for, or for asia more broadly is it is that a risk that you're having to to be careful of
1: yeah i yeah i think you make a, a very fair point that typically when the us dollar strengthens you know and that's often obviously a period when um us rates tend to be rising it 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 tends to sort of tighten liquidity conditions generally in in asia which um ends up being a headwind for for the region, um, as as often central banks have to, to tighten policy to, to sort of maintain the level of it, to defend their currencies, and and as you say, that sort of then can, can sort of flow through to to um, slower potentially slower economic demand. I'd say from a macro perspective, their age is probably in a better place than it has been in in previous sort of. Dollar strengthening cycles, just in the sense that um, most countries now have relatively less in the way of um, uh, of of foreign debt, and also have um, relatively um, high high reserves compared to sort of historic episodes. uh so so that that you know that has obviously an influence on, on the markets and, and in a sense that's what we've we've seen over the last couple of years. So um, you know, that sort of tightening of, of liquidity, a stronger dollar has sort of um impacted Asian markets to, to an extent. Um but I suppose the sort of flip side of that is that, you know, as we hopefully get nearer to the peak in the in the in the rate cycle in the US. And with that potentially a, a, a weaker dollar, um, if that was to, to come through, that could be supportive of, of Asia, certainly if, if history is anything
0: to go by. Uh, yeah. OK, well, another thing I think you, you you touched on it in one of your prior answers was that some valuations have, have come down. Um, I think that's probably true almost everywhere in the world in, in most cases, maybe except for the UK one. 5,100. um but um has is that has that volatility provided you with any opportunities to add to the portfolio either new additions or just adding to existing holdings yeah it's
1: it definitely been a period where we've had quite a lot of um volatility obviously about what's been going on globally with tightening rates and um geopolitics which uh, obviously has has weighed on on sentiment um, and that has sort of given um, opportunities to um, uh, to add selectively to, to, to areas um and and some of those have you know that did provide opportunities in some of the tech names as as uh, as those as those got sold down um also though, you know um we did add a little bit into um, china for instance when uh, and Hong kong names for instance when um when um we saw china starting to um come out of the the, the sort of um the, the the policies around zero covid et cetera um, albeit we still remain quite underweight um in, in china and i would say as a as a whole our uh, our sort of broad positioning hasn't really changed from a sort of um from a country or or sector perspective um uh, uh, in that we remain you know overweighted in, in markets like singapore which um uh, have proven to be fairly defensive and have got uh, generally got good quality companies also overweight hong kong um which uh was looking particularly uh, attractive from a relative perspective and should benefit uh, from from the opening up of its um of, of its border with the, with the mainland um as the sort of zero covid policy has has rolled off in china and that in part um, helps offset the sort of large underweight that we we have um from a china perspective uh, and from a sectoral perspective you know as i mentioned we continue to favor um some of the it um, names but also some of the financial and real estate names as well
0: Okay, well, that's a slightly upbeat note on which to finish, which is always a positive. So, uh, Richard, thanks very much for taking the time to speak to me today, and hopefully we can chat again soon. Thank you very much.